Welcome to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay, fitting it all together to make teaching and learning in the junior grades more accessible, practical, and fun for both teachers and their students. Here's your host, teacher by day, mom of three, and curriculum creator of all the things from madlylearning.com, Patty Firth. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. Today, we are going to talk about the five mistakes that you might be making in your classroom during your language instruction or your literacy block within your room. So we're going to dig into what those five things are, as well as some tips and strategies on how you can do it differently. The first is teaching reading and writing. For so many of us, we are not quite sure how to put our program together, so we end up teaching writing separately from reading. We split our language block in half, and the first half is just focusing on reading instruction. The second half is just focused on writing instruction. The problem is, is that reading and writing are intertwined. They rely on one another. The things we are talking about in reading, in our modeled reading, in our shared reading, in our guided reading, helps to support and develop students' writing. We need to use both. Yes, we explicitly teach both reading and both writing, but integrating these and having one inform the decisions we make and how we instruct with the other is going to improve your language program and it'll allow you to do more in less time because instead of doing all reading, starting and stopping, and then doing all writing, because there's that cross-pollination between the two systems, you can actually cover two things at once. So we want to integrate those. In our reading, we want to make sure that we are walking our students through guided, shared, modeled, and independent reading. And we are talking about forms and styles and author's purpose and all of those things. And we can tie that into reading by making it make sense. The things we teach in writing are inspired by the mentor texts that we're using, by the shared reading texts we're using. We draw on examples with these mentor texts to not only build comprehension as readers, but also to build some awareness as writers. We also, in our writing program, need to throw away units. We need to stop the kill and drill mentality of teaching writing in the essence where we are simply just teaching a one writing form and we bang the kids over the head with that writing form, and then we get them to write it. Writing is intrinsically personal, and writing down your ideas and sharing your thoughts is something that is going to look different for every single person. Every student in your classroom has their own unique voice and ways of approaching writing. They also have a bunch of dismantling to do because a lot of them have been discouraged with the kill and drill unit model, so much so that they have been discouraged to write because they tie their spelling ability or their grammar activities, they tie that to being able to write. Your skills as a speller, your skills as uh, someone who is perfect at grammar, yes, they are definitely important as a person who writes. However, being a writer is about your ideas and sorting through your ideas and getting those down on paper, and then we can go and fix grammar and spelling. We can write in a comprehensible way. This is always our goal. So, 
If we are developing writers in our students, we want to show them what good writing looks like through our reading program, and then we want to give them the opportunity to experiment, explore, and develop their voice as a writer through their own choices. They choose what they're going to write, how they are going to write. It's an inquiry model approach to literacy because we don't need to bang them over the head with all of the rules for different forms of writing in order for them to be able to write. Let them write, then have them learn the forms. Let them figure out how what they wrote applies to that form of writing. So did they accidentally write an adventure story? Well, then that is a great opportunity to tie how is your story that you wrote similar to the adventure story that we read last week in class? What elements are the same? What elements are different? That is how we tie reading and writing together. In an option where we are allowing a lot of student voice and choice in this using an inquiry perspective so that we can keep our students engaged, build their confidence that even if the first draft that they write is not fantastic, that it can be improved, it can get better, and it's just one step on the development of that student to become a better writer. And we do all of that by putting reading and writing together as a complete cohesive system instead of two separate silos on our barn of literacy instruction. The second mistake that many teachers make when planning their literacy instruction is they plan for guided reading, but in the actual reality, guided reading doesn't happen. And it sometimes doesn't happen for a variety of reasons. For me, one of the biggest reasons guided reading didn't happen in my classroom at the beginning of the year was the overwhelming feeling of not having the resources. In order to plan guided reading, I would need five different books for five different groups, and I would have to repeat that every single week. And it just constantly felt like it didn't fit, I was over planning, and I just had way too much to do. So it would often get skipped because I wasn't prepared. That's problem number one. Problem number two is in order to do guided reading, you have to have your students engaged in highly engaging centers or rotational activities or activities that they can work on independently. However, for so many of us, that independent work is something we have designed, something we have put on students and asked them to complete it, which means if we're generally planning one very narrowly focused activity for students to work on, it means that the majority of our students probably can't access that because they're not ready for it. It's not at that student's independent work level. This is why the activities of your rest of your class is doing so that you can get guided reading done need to be self-selected by the student. They need to fit within the parameters that you may have put a box around what they're doing, but they need to be self-selected, differentiated, open tasks for students. In math, they call that a low floor, high ceiling. So there's a wide range where a student can be successful within the literacy block. When you have open activities that allow a wider variety of students to be able to access that activity, so you can choose what you write, even if that where some students are writing 16 pages of a very thorough story, whereas other people are simply just working on how to write a paragraph. Both of those can happen at the same time. For ourselves in assessment, we remember that we can coach them 
along the path and that students are all on their own trajectory there. And that's why we use writing conferences with our students opposite our guided reading schedule. However, in order to get guided reading done, you need to have this culture built in your classrooms that students can be intrinsically motivated to do work that they have self-selected in order to be successful. They are never going to be finished early because there is always something new they can work on. There's no such thing as early finishers in this system because Whenever they're done one piece of writing, they simply just start a new one and they keep going to build up their writing portfolio. And this is why we need to not skip guided reading. So once we have those pieces in place where we've got the planning, we have planned out materials that are easily and readily available, we have reduced how much prep and planning that we can take by perhaps getting resources that you have one story at multiple levels, which means you need one lesson plan for that guided reading lesson. Once you have that in place, it is imperative that we keep doing guided reading, especially in the junior grades. And the reason for this is this is going to be your primary assessment driver. We want to do guided reading each week because it is where we're going to get the most valuable assessment. It's going to reduce how much work we have to take home with us after school hours because we're not only assessing products and it allows us to do two thirds of our assessment live in person with our students by gathering observational and conversational data. And that is why guided reading in your literacy program should be a huge priority because it allows us to collect the largest amount of assessment material on our students without having to take work home. The third mistake that many teachers make when planning their literacy program is spending far too much time on read aloud novels. Now, this does not mean that we should not use novels in our junior classrooms. We absolutely should. However, positioning that novel as being the text the teacher reads and the students do a tremendous amount of activities on is problematic, and here's why. Number one, when a teacher is doing the reading, the only thing that can be assessed on any of the work from, think of law, the fruit of the forbidden tree, I guess if you're thinking of it that way, the only work that can be assessed when the teacher is doing that read aloud, so that novel read aloud, the, picture, the teacher has picked a book, they're doing the read aloud. The only thing that can be assessed from that, any of the work that comes from there, if the students did not read the text independently, the only thing that can be assessed is oral language. Now, I will tell you, oral language is literally the easiest piece of your language program to assess. It is what you can probably gather the most data from because you are doing oral language assessment in every subject matter that you teach. Anytime you are talking, they are listening and responding and speaking and sharing that oral language is gathering data. So you have a tremendous amount of oral language marks already. You are still doing modeled reading, shared reading, which again is always going to be your oral language marks. However, if you spend the bulk of your literacy time reading a novel to your students and having them do a corresponding activity, you are putting the ability to assess the student's reading skills as well as student writing skills on the back burner because you have less time to assess those now. Now, this does not mean that we should not be reading novels in our classrooms. We absolutely should, but we need to position these novels systematically in a way that optimizes our language arts time.
Novels can be read as guided reading texts with students so that they are reading the text and we can assess that reading skill. So we are still digging into the texts and analyzing them and all of that stuff. But in a guided reading session, we can actually use those skills to assess students. I also think there is a tremendous amount of value in reading a novel to your class, but monitoring the time you spend doing so. It is an excellent way to apply all of the learning they have done in the rest of your literacy program and apply it to having this novel read, to apply it to reading this novel together. It is a great shared reading activity or an additional shared reading activity. It is also a fantastic way to transition students from one subject to another or to calm them down after a very rambunctious lesson such as phys ed or art or drama, anything that you need to refocus and calm, adding in a couple of minutes to read a novel with your class is a tremendously valuable thing to do. Having discussions, having activities that your students can do based on that novel, absolutely valuable. But we have to monitor how much time it is taking us, how much of our language block is taken up by this activity, because we have a lot to do. So we need to make sure that we are the most efficient with our time and ensure that a lot of our time is spent students reading, students writing, and that should be the bulk of the work that we are having our students do during our literacy time. The fourth mistake I see teachers make all the time is squeezing other subjects into your literacy block. Now, for most school boards here in Ontario, the recommended number of minutes for literacy instruction is about 500 minutes. Really, your aim should be anywhere between 80 minutes a day and 120 minutes a day of focused literacy instruction. This is how much time you need to actually cover the tremendous amount of expectations that are in literacy curriculums. Yes, we can teach literacy expectations in other subjects, but I want to see literacy expand into those subject time periods instead of those external subjects trying to squeeze into your 500-minute literacy block. When you do that, you are doing both a disservice to the subject area that you are integrating, as well as doing a disservice to your students who now have less time to practice the important skills of reading and writing. Now, I know that can be sometimes controversial. Really digging into your schedule and your timetable to make sure that your allotted minutes are programmed for, that you have specific times to do science, specific times in your work schedule in the week to do social studies, that you don't have one teacher who is over teaching in one subject area that leaves you less time to teach in another subject area. Yes, you can totally integrate social studies and language together, but that means you need to have more time in your schedule above and beyond the 500 minutes to do literacy, except not having to squeeze it all in. Now, that being said, one of the best ways that I find to actually integrate this is to look at the tasks you are assigning in social studies. If there is a written component or students are writing a research report, this can also be doubled as language. So instead of the students writing a story that week, they can 
use their social studies assignment as their writing task and they can double dip. Some students will find this awesome and a great way to do it. Other students are really interested in just writing stories and they'll also write and it be separate. So you can have your students choose to double dip, as I like to call it, the assignments that they're getting in social studies that can also be counted for assessment for language and social studies. They can, the students can hand that in and receive writing comments and feedback for their writing materials. You can also use your shared reading activities, double dip on those if you need to, but I think it is absolutely imperative to remember that if we are doing some integration that we need to have more than that 500 minutes so that we can adequately meet the expectations of our students and in that area. Now, the last thing that I see teachers doing all the time is spending far too much time searching and planning for all of the resources they need. Language is one of those things that takes a tremendous amount of time to figure out planning, prepping, finding all of your resources. It is often one of the areas that we no longer have a lot of resources in our classrooms in order to be able to pull a lesson together with. So not only do we have to come up with a lesson that is responsive to our students' needs, but we also need to find all of the materials. We need to find the read aloud, the shared reading text, the guided reading text at multiple levels, independent reading texts, and all of the writing and the writing forms and the writing process and tracking all of it. It is a tremendous amount of workload that overwhelms so many of us. And I want to help you to de-stress and remove some of that overwhelm. So I'm hosting a free masterclass on August 8th, 10th, and 11th, all about how to plan and schedule your language arts so that things fit together, they work together, and it reduces some of your planning, prep, and overwhelm. We'll walk through the path on how to systematically plan a language lesson or a week's worth of language activities. We'll follow a nice pre-designed roadmap to let you know how to start with your read aloud and how to plan your entire week together all at once. So if you are interested in joining that free training, you can go to www.madlylearning.com forward slash masterclass 2021 and join us as I walk you through exactly how to plan and schedule your language arts without the stress and overwhelm that often comes with having to teach that subject area. So thank you so much for joining me and we will be back next week with another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay. Join me on www.madlylearning.com for more information on all things teaching in the junior grades. Don't forget, you can always catch this show on the Madly Learning YouTube channel. See you next week for another replay episode of Teaching with Madly Learning.